0: Yes, yes, welcome into another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. It's guest day, and our guest today, post-dispatch columnist, post-dispatch reporter, going back from 80 through 83, columnist 83 to present day, Bill McClellan, presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies Online at evergreenstl.com. Bill McClellan has truly seen it all when it comes to St. Louis. Um, and so to get his perspective on how the region has changed, get his perspective on some of the major stories over the years, get his perspective on what he thinks needs to change, um, was really educational. I don't really know how many people we could have in who could provide that kind of historical perspective Um and, and so to have that was great. First off, it was the first time we had ever met, and he's just a really good guy, just, like, pleasant person. You know, and he's battling cancer right now. Looks really good, truly looks good. Um, and you go, well, what else would you say? And I'd say, well, if he didn't look good, I just wouldn't say anything. He looks good. Um, and then, you know what stood out to me about this, and I think you'll notice it too? He just really has a, a good attitude. Like, he's an upbeat person. Um, and I just if anything outside of enjoying the conversation and hearing his perspective on some of these big stories over the years, um, I admire him. I already really, I watched John, Donnie Brook So I, we, I think we talk about in the podcast, if I'm not mistaken, I brought it up a couple of times. Um, and I know that Donnie Brooks skews a little older, but I, I enjoy watching it. I'll be DVRing it every Thursday. And, uh, and I enjoy when they go to him on Donnie Brooke. Um, but he's just a, he's just a, a, a got a better appreciation of of who he is and perhaps why he uh, handles things the way that he does. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. Had a number of people said they were looking forward to hearing from him. So uh, now you have your chance. He's presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. He came into the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Ryan Kelly is our studio sponsor. If you're going to buy a home, if you're going to refinance, make sure you go to the HomeLoanExpert.com. Ryan Kelly is his name. The TheHomeLoanExpert.com is the website. Just go to the website. And that's all you need to know because you're going to have an option. Click on the tab for refinance, click on the tab for purchase, and off you go. And there's nobody to do better, to boot business with better than Ryan Kelly. It's that simple. TheHomeLoanExpert.com. He is our studio sponsor here on the Tim McKernan Show. So it is our pleasure to bring to you this week post dispatch columnist Bill McClellan, presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. Bill, thanks so much for coming in.
1: Hey, my pleasure, Tim.
0: I am uh, I'm looking forward to this. I've been reading you and watching you on Donnybrook for, uh, for a long time, and I always enjoy what I consider to be this is what I think. I'm not looking to upset you, but this is what I think, and therefore I'm going to tell you. I think that's healthy, and I also think it's rare right now.
1: Well, I'll tell you, I don't know uh, how healthy or rare it is, but it's fun. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I sort of stumbled into a job where I can do that. You know where I can just say, well, I think, well, you know, because I used to be. I started off at the Post Dispatch as night police reporter, and everything I wrote was that she allegedly did this and he allegedly did that, and all of a sudden I could drop the word allegedly,
0: and I thought I'm going to do it, Uh and I did, and and began opining. And you started the Post Dispatch in 1980, is that correct? Yes, yes. I got here
1: uh, in 1980. Uh, Was originally. The Post didn't hire me, and I took a writing test at the Globe Democrat, and I must have failed because I didn't hear back, and then I did a couple freelance stories, and Harper Barnes, who was then the features editor, liked me and said, hey, I can get you on.
0: Wow. And so where were you coming from when you started applying well, I, in St. Well, I, Louis was, the I was coming
1: indirectly from Phoenix. I'd okay. been working as a reporter in Phoenix, and then I was going, my, my girlfriend in Phoenix, was a dental hygienist, and one day she said, "Hey, I'm smarter than the dentist. I'm going to become a dentist." There's no dental school in Arizona, so she can't. She was accepted at Georgetown and WashU, and she asked me. She said, "You know, which would work for you?" And I said, "Well, I could. I wouldn't even get an interview in Washington, because that's where all the red hot people all go." Right. so "But if you went to St. Louis, I could probably get on one of the two papers, maybe." Mm-hmm. So she went to WashU. And then I quit my job in Phoenix to go down to live in Mexico for a few months because I had always wanted to go live in a boarding house in Mexico. Why? Well, it just sounded romantic. Was it? Did it live up to it? Oh, it did. It really? Did. It, it was It was terrific. So I went down to a place called Colima. It's a, a city in a state, a little southwest Mexico okay. city. And I got a room in a boarding house. And the Mexicans I lived with, it was great. You know, the government was the employer of last resort. So everybody had kind of half a job. You know, if you worked <laughs> at the water department, you had that desk for the morning. And somebody else. Had. So all these guys, everybody had plenty of time. It was a complete kick. And then I came back uh, to Arizona and we got married in December of 79. And I came here. Ah. Uh, uh, and our plan, Tim, was not to stay in St. Louis. You know, Mary, my wife, uh, you know, considers herself, uh, considered herself a Western girl, you know, from Arizona. And I had grown up in Chicago, so I thought, I've kind of done the Midwest. And, you know, I wasn't sure about going back to Phoenix, but a friend of mine uh, got on at the Rocky Mountain News and said, hey, I can get you on. And so I said, okay, as soon as Mary graduates from dental school in 82, but by 82 I was night police reporter and having a blast and we liked st. Louis a lot more than we thought we would so we stayed and the next thing you know we had kids and the next thing you know years have gone by and uh, and of course the Rocky Mountain News went out of business
0: yes, yes So yes, that was yes. a
1: train wreck that I wasn't on you know uh, through no fault of
0: my own right exactly right so you went to Illinois but is it accurate that you failed out of Illinois yes it's very accurate I I grew up in
1: Chicago and went to University of Illinois and did you go there with the the
0: idea of becoming a writer
1: no 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 matter of fact I didn't take any journalism classes I took uh, rhetoric 101 cuz you had to and I mean I I didn't know what I was doing I took a class in French and a class in Chinese (laughs) and biology, and, and rhetoric, and, you know, hung on the first semester, and then didn't do so well. I, I hung on, really, for about two years, and and then I flunked out.
0: Was this this couldn't have been from lack of competence. It was probably lack of effort. Were you not? Am I right on that? You well, you I spent could've... an and
1: Amount of time drinking beer. Okay, there I, we go. That's I, what I'll I, I certainly, certainly did.
0: I had to think of there's right, no way that right. you, if you really I, were I, putting yourself to it, you would have been just fine.
1: Well, I don't know. I don't know about that. So, <laughs> like, taking Chinese, I have no, it was, was not the best idea. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I had a great time in Illinois, but I flunked
0: out. And then went to Arizona State?
1: Well, after I flunked out, I got drafted. And I got drafted into the Marine Corps. And after the Marine Corps,
0: I went to Arizona State. What was getting drafted into the Marine Corps like?
1: Well, it, it's like everything else I've ever done, Tim, it was pretty good. I mean, it, even the things that sound bad, you know, weren't so bad. I stumbled around and all these things worked out. I got uh, drafted into the Marine Corps, and I thought, well, you know, this is an unhappy thing. And then they they made me a... Combat Correspondent. Have you ever seen the movie Full Metal Jacket? Oh, yes. I oh, okay, did. well, Joker. That, that was... Oh, all right, I, absolutely. I, Matthew I, Modine's character. I, I, I was a Joker. So th- that, you know, wasn't such, such bad duty, mm-hmm. all things considered. So I, I did my Vietnam tour, and uh, while we were there, you know, a bunch of guys were talking, and somebody said, what are you going to do when you get out? And I said, well, like, as opposed to work, you know, I, I'm going to go back to school. Someone said, where are you going to go? I said, Illinois. And everybody said, why would you go there? You know, the weather's bad. It must be tough because you flunked out. You know, what's, <laughs> and what's the purpose? And I thought, why would I go there? You know, but my horizons were limited in yeah, Chicago. Yeah. So uh, a staff sergeant who was a friend of mine said, he hey, I had recruiting duty in Phoenix. The weather's warm. There's palm trees. The girls wear cutoffs. There's no social conscience. <laughs> he said, and there's a." There's a real there's easy no there's a r- real easy school there. Uh-huh. And that was Arizona State. Uh-huh. Which now I understand is much better. The Cronkite School of Journalism, yeah, if I'm yes. not mistaken. M- yeah, much better. I mean they didn't have that sort of thing. When I when i went there, journalism school was all was the curriculum the athletes took. Because <laughs> I remember we had to be on the school paper, and I was on the school paper, and uh Bump Wills was his name. He was a baseball player. Yeah. Maury Wills' son. Yeah. And he came in and I said, Who's that? Somebody said that's Bump Will's the baseball player. I said, oh, who's interviewing him?" And they said, "He's one of us." You know that you're in the the jock curriculum that people take as it's easy. So I thought, "Well, that's a break." <laughs> you know, but but I but by then I was not a good student, just because I, I, you know, th- thought th- thought I knew more than than I. I I did, I just didn't care very much. So I didn't graduate from Arizona State, but I did a couple freelance stories for uh, the Arizona Republic while I was in school. Mm. And one of the editors said, hey, when you get done, you know, come on over. So I kind of adopted a class and when they were done, I thought, you know, gee, I did two years at Illinois and now I, I did three years at Arizona State thought that should count for something. <laughs> so I, I went to the paper and said, I'm done. And they hired me and I've kept going. And on, on my resume, I might put, started his education at Illinois, completed his studies at Arizona State, because I thought, you know, I'm not saying I graduated.
0: How many hours, I have eight hours left from Missouri School of Journalism, and right. I don't think I'm gonna knock them out at this point. How Are you that are you like that close as well? I, Tim, I can't
1: tell you. I mean, <laughs> because what, what, what I mean was I got to Arizona State, it wasn't that I was a know-it-all, it's just that all I wanted to do was take my 12 hours to get the GI Bill, and, and I didn't really care what I was taking. Mm. And so I didn't bother saying like, you know, how many credits do I need for this? You know, I, I, Arizona was a really, really nice place to
0: be. Yeah, Tempting to uh, stay there or was it a case of because your girlfriend at the time, now wife was going to dental school, you're like, we're picking up and we're going? Right, right. Yeah. It,
1: it was more like that. There, there wasn't much of a plan
0: involved. So I am fascinated by what your perspective is on what St. Louis was like when you started writing your column, but of course right. getting here in 1980 and when you started writing your column in 83, how different it is now than then. My dad was in sales at KPLR-TV. He was the general sales manager. And I remember him either flying to New York all the time for ad accounts or people from New York coming to St. Louis all the time. And now I, I, I feel like it's changed drastically, but I was so young then, I can't really comprehend what it was like. What can you tell well, me about Well,
1: it, it, it seemed like a much bigger, more vibrant place in that there were these Magical kingdoms everywhere like the magical kingdom of the brewery was something really amazing I remember doing a story early on after I got here uh, This young man who had fallen on some very hard times And he said to me, you know my both my mother and my father were bottlers But but I wasn't raised to think I was better than anybody else. And I thought why would you say that? I mean, why would you think that i would think you were raised better because your folks were about and and later on i realized well yes they worked at the brewery and the brewery was such a magical kingdom and so was ralston purina for all famous bar the post dispatch these were places that people went and they stayed there forever and and there were a whole bunch and then uh whatever it's called it's not consolidation tim i can't think of words so well anymore but where everything Everybody started swallowing everybody else up. Mergers? Well, yes. I'm not sure that's, but but that that was the idea. Okay. You know, so all of a sudden Anheuser-Busch was really gone. Right. Uh, Ralston Purina, well, that really is Nestle. The Post Dispatch was sold to Lee. Famous Bar became Macy. I mean, all these things happened, and not just here, but to to, to a, to a, a lot of cities.
0: You know, yeah, and, I mean, I think of Southwestern Bell and their headquarters in oh, St. Right, Louis, and then right, now right, right. And, in and, Dallas. And,
1: and we became kind of a branch office town, yeah. which has its charms, but it's not. And and there were all you know the brewery, especially, had this ripple effect. You know, all the ad agencies who who thought of the brewery as kind of mother style, yeah, they were yeah, yeah, yeah. crowded around, and you know, I'd see them. Uh, at, at noon at Anthony's was where all the uh ad guys went and they would always have like whatever Anheuser-Busch product would they ha- was their account like it might be natural light bud you know bud light would be in front of their martinis and <laughs> and they'd be drinking you know and you know and drinking some beer i mean it wasn't just I mean, it was a chaser for them and they'd be drinking their martinis <laughs> and I would think, you know, this is really sophisticated. <laughs> you know, this is really, you know, I mean, my friends and I went to the Missouri grill, but we were drinking beer yeah. and I, I think these guys, these, <laughs> these are grownups here, you know, and, and now, I mean, you know, all of that's gone, of course, and it's been gone for years. I can remember uh, taking my wife, um, Mary, You know, she had some day off, and I said, hey, come downtown, I'll take you to lunch. And this was back, maybe the 90s, Mm -hmm. I don't remember, but Jerry Berger was the gossip columnist at Post. And I said to Jerry, hey, where should I take Mary for lunch? Because, you know, I never went to the sort of places that you'd take your wife as sort of a, you know, celebration sort of thing. Mm -hmm. You know, they were a little divier. And so Jerry said, take her to Anthony's. And I said perfect where the ad guys go. Mm -hmm. And she said, yeah, so we, we got there early and I ordered an old fashioned and, you know, I think Mary ordered a martini and then the regular crowd came in and we were the only people drinking. And I remember thinking, you know, the world has turned, you know, the meteor (laughs) has hit and I didn't even see it, but but every, everything was changing. So, so St. Louis used to be, of course, now some of this might just be because I was young, Tim, Mm. But St. Louis used to be more fun. I
0: think, well, that's what I wonder, I Like, because I, I, I love having these conversations with people who have this perspective. And for people, a lot of our audience in their 20s, 30s, I'm 42, they think of St. Louis as it currently is, but it wasn't that far in the distant past where it was a different mindset here. What I'm curious about, not that you necessarily have the answer, perhaps you have theories, as to why it changed? Why do you think it changed? I mean, well, you were certainly reciting some of the the corporations that moved. Right. Right. And, right.
1: You know, I, I don't know whether yeah, it's uh, in our stars or, or, you know, in our destiny or whether we did things wrong. You know, I, I I'm not sure it, it, the, all of the mergers that went on and the acquisitions that would have happened regardless. Yeah. You know, maybe if we would have had more entrepreneurial Guys, they would have been doing the buying, mm. like all of our banks. I remember, you know, Boatman's Bank. Andy Craig sold that and enriched himself, and and the stockholders, I'm sure, did well. But you know, he he was bought by the bank in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. Which, bank of America. Well, I think it's Bank for America. Yeah. So you know, Andy Craig would have been a buyer instead of a seller. Mm. You know, and and bear in mind, this generation of guys didn't build these businesses themselves. You know, they came in and took like. Boatman's bank and and then uh merc mercantile bank which uh oh gosh i forgot that guy's name but he, he sold it to people from milwaukee you know it wasn't like new york and l.a were buying us up i mean we we were just sellers for mm-hmm. some reason and and you know and that certainly hurt but you know hard to blame just a couple guys sure. for everything
0: i do remember i also remember because i've had this conversation with my dad and he said, back in the day, and maybe he's citing the '80s. Um, he said we felt like we had guys who, if anybody was maybe pushing St. Louis around, Bob Highland, for example, in addition to some guys who are, you know, prominent CEOs, sure. would step forward, and certainly the brewery and and defend St. Louis. Is that an accurate perception? Well, I I,
1: th- I think so. Uh, you, you know, for, for instance. When the St. Louis Blues were about to be sold, uh-huh. Ralston Purina bought them.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: You know, I mean, the CEO who was, you know, not, it wasn't Nestle then, it was a local guy, and his name escapes me. I'm not doing well on names. But, you know, he stepped forward and said, We'll buy the team to keep it here. And, and as a branch office town, you, you know, that wouldn't happen. But, you know, I, I should say, I don't mean to be uh, the old crab who thinks things were better just when I was young. You know, I think that in, in many ways, the city is kind of hipper than w- when I came. I mean, the, the young, hip crowd, the millennials, and, yeah, and they seem to be very entrepreneurial and they seem to be, you know, wanting to live in the city. And uh, geez, Jack Dorsey just bought the old Post-Dispatch building. And, you know, I find that, you, you know, and, and my daughter works downtown, for Teach for America and she kind of keeps me up to date on things mm. so it, it, it isn't like I think that things are terrible now and we're wonderful then
0: right no and I, I, I'm setting you up with these questions because I'm wondering what you've seen change and why if indeed you see a change right. what it was Well, and
1: it, it, was, it was more fun to me in the old days but m- much of that is because I was younger Sure. And, you know and yeah uh, you know, it seemed like everybody would drink before they went home <laughs> and you know and that was a bad thing I mean all the you know the DUIs and, and the Globe Democrat used to run the long list of the DUIs, you know, like the Irish Racing Forum, everybody called it. <laughs>
0: and, As an Irish guy,
1: I believe I'm allowed to laugh at that. Yeah, and, 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 you know, so in in that sense, it was fun. And, and then, you know, the DUIs laws mainly, you know, and, and like I say, a good thing. Good thing, yeah. But they came and, you know, unfortunately, they didn't just get the big drinkers who caused the accident, right. they, they got the Barasauruses, you know, the gentle creatures of downtown that <laughs> would go around, have a couple drinks here and a drink there. And, you know, and they weren't getting on the highway going the wrong way, mm-hmm. but, but they all got
0: trapped. Yeah, yeah. That could, cha- that certainly could change it. You've seen uh, teams come and go in I your have. time here in St. Louis. What do you remember about 86, 87, 88 with the football Cardinals?
1: Well, I I remember, I remember it being a, a blast. I mean, it was it was all fun. When the Cardinals were here in their very last days, they couldn't give tickets away, you know. So somebody like me could always get tickets. Yeah. And I remember going to a game with Joe Pollock when, our the Cardinal field goal kicker missed like three field goals. <laughs> and, you know, it, it, it was fun. And then and then the team left, and I thought there was momentarily a certain pride, kind of like, you know, Vince Shamel being Vince Shamel, you know, he wasn't gonna, you know, kiss anybody Mm. back
0: type Uh. thing, and
1: and it was kind of fun, and then all of a sudden, uh, there was this effort to get a team, and that became...
0: The expansion debacle.
1: Yeah, oh, more fun than ever. (laughs) I mean, it was was great. I was there the day they first introduced Stan Kroenke. You know, uh, as I remember, it was Jerry Clinton and... uh, Jim Orthwine yeah, uh, yep. and, and that combination just didn't work because Jerry Clinton was new money mm-hmm. and wanted to be seen and talk and Orthwine was old money. Didn't want any publicity, none. And, and so when that partnership fell apart, you know, publicly, great fun, <laughs> the, uh, all of a sudden they needed new, a new daddy Warbucks and they went out and found Stan Cronkey. And they brought him in, and I was here when they introduced him, and he was very awkward. And, you know, said, uh, uh, you know, I'm a very private guy. And one of the TV guys hollered, hey, Stan, how much you worth? And just even calling him Stan, you could see sort of, you know, bothered Cronk, But he couldn't say anything, but he was reducing And he said, well, like... That's a very personal question, anyway, you know, he wouldn't say, but it, it was all, it was all fun. And, uh, when, when we lost the team home, you know, it, it went, as you remember to Jacksonville. Jacksonville, I remember and, that day and that, that, that was maybe the most fun of all because all the recriminations and all these powerful people, you know, Chuck Knight blaming each other and, you know, and, and if, you know, a couple months ago, they'd been really nice to everybody in the press, you know, you know, hey, Bill, and and, and all of a sudden they were back to themselves, you know, <laughs> angry again and, and, and blaming people, and, and it, it was great fun. And, you know, and I thought, we don't need a team. But, but then getting the Rams was just as much fun, and having uh, the owner was, Tim help me out who was Georgia Frontier you're talking about? Georgia Frontier. Yes. You know, she she had been married, what, like eight times or something? Right. You know, married <laughs> until she got it right. And then and then with her husband, you know, drowned in the low turf in the Pacific, you know, very mysterious sort of thing, but who knows? All of a sudden she has the team and she came here and had a you know, and, and Eagleton was instrumental in getting him. It was again it was great fun. And uh, Jerry Clinton wanted to keep his box at the stadium because he really had the lease, not the, it was was, was all, it was, you know, all so much fun and people being ridiculous. And then Georgia came here and at her first party, which I think was at the Ritz. Freeman Bosley, the mayor of St. Louis, went up to introduce himself and say hello. And Freeman, of course, was a black guy. And Georgia, as he approached, Georgia said, "I'll have another gin and tonic." Oh <laughs> that, that no! It was you know I, I, it was all everything was fun from the get go on that. <laughs> and, and then the Rams, you know, were terrible. And and th- that that was fun. You know, I mean, I'm I grew up in Chicago. I'm a Cub fan. Oh uh-huh. well, yes. And and from the days when the Cubs couldn't do anything right. Mm-hmm. And, and so the new Rams, I liked. And then when all of a sudden they became good, that was fun too.
0: Yeah, it was perfect. Right, right. Could you tell when any of this stuff was going on? I'm sure you could, having a sixth sense and being around these people and kind of knowing, I would imagine the characters and maybe some of their uh, private uh, peccadillos, so to speak. They're like, oh, this expansion thing, I have a feeling this is going to be a problem or this Rams thing and the lease they gave the Rams that inevitably was going to be a problem. Did you sense any problems before we wound up seeing them actually come no, no, to no, life? No, 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 You And you give me way too much credit. I, I mean, I'm... I watch you on Donnybrook. Well, I feel like you're like Nelson
1: No, no, no. These, these things happen, and I'm shocked. And I, go, I go, you're, you're kidding me. Uh, you know, no, so, so. I, I, di- I didn't see anything coming. I mean, I, you know, the expansion thing, that looked kind of kinky from the beginning with Clinton and Northwine. Because
0: you're right. It is interesting. Sometimes on this podcast, I'll talk about, you know, I'm aware of, I'm friends with, I guess, some like old money families. And I'll tell people, I said, the people in St. Louis who really have money, they want, they do not want you to know they have money, which is what you're making reference to with Orthwine. Right, right. New money, oftentimes, not across the board, but oftentimes Flashes it.
1: Oh, and so you have
0: that paradox with Orthwine and Clinton and that's what you were observing out of the gate. Right,
1: right and and that, that was pretty clear, you know on the old money and the new money. I've, I've talked to people who who Seem like they know this sort of stuff and they tell me that one of the problems in st Louis is just what you're saying Tim that a lot of the real money here is old money and Old money is seldom willing to take a chance you know, because this is what they have and they didn't earn it. But new money is a little more brash yep. and new money has this sense that, you know, if I lose it, I can make it again. And, and so it, people tell me it's easier to find investors among new money people than old money people. Wow, that
0: that makes a lot of sense. And I've never heard that theory, but it makes a lot of sense and it may keep St. Louis business growth stagnant. Is that, that's what this
1: person was discussing just you know what you had been talking about earlier you know what happened to us mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and this was one of the theories he had not very sensible
0: I'm curious on your perspective on this I've had a lot of politicians uh, come here both Democrat Republican and uh, I grew up in the city family still lives there Tam Avenue and I observed it when I was like six or seven things that didn't make sense to me then and then they still go on now and perhaps they're even more prominent now which is odd because you would think if anything we would progress But I grew up in South City, racial issues and like talk of things that were like just like they were so commonly said, like, oh, if, you know, imagine the word moves in, there's a for sale sign in our front yard immediately. And as odd as it sounds, because that was the early 80s, I still think that that exists in some capacity. And I really do feel passionately that that is one of the things, if not one of the top things that is held saint louis back your perspective well on you, race- you
1: you you might be right but you know m- my perspective you know i grew up in chicago right and things were terrible racially there and you know i came here and things were terrible racially here But i i think that things are getting better i got you know i i think that i was more open-minded than my parents and my kids are definitely more open-minded than i am i mean i think that the the new generation is just better about this stuff than than my journey and and i can talk to uh black guys i know of my age and and they have the same sense yeah. that you know that things
0: are getting better yeah yeah well I mean, that's a positive perspective on it because yeah i would agree with that certainly as well yeah matter
1: of fact i remember talking with Vervis jones about
0: this uh-huh. one time what do you have and, to say and uh
1: you, you know and he was saying that uh his daughter tashara mm-hmm. has more white friends than he ever had you know that and and I I feel the same way about my kids. They're just more comfortable.
0: Yeah. Do you with, think? Do you think the racial issues played a role in? What oh sure, we started sure out, yeah. I,
1: I, I do. But what I'm saying is I, I think the racial issue has been pretty bad everywhere. I mean, I, you know, it certainly was in Chicago, Phoenix. You know, the, the, there weren't very many black people there, mm-hmm. so it's harder to say. But but I think it's been bad everywhere. You know, particularly bad in St. Louis. I don't know.
0: Yeah, well, the, I mean, reason, bad here. the reason I bring it up is we're at the fifth anniversary of Ferguson, and I would imagine that's one of the most prominent things you experienced in your time in St. Louis and, and with the Post Dispatch and writing. Um, when that date happened uh, in, in Saturday of 2014, did you have an idea at that moment that that was going to wind up becoming much larger? I remember Steve Moore, for example, from the from KMOX. He's the program director, and uh, a guy I respect and, and know, and I and I remember waking up and reading his tweets, and I, I, I'm seeing all these Ferguson things. And again, I'm talking about the right. morning of, not right. days after. And I could tell he sensed that this was going to be. Now, I don't know if anybody ever sensed it was going to get to what it got to, but you having written and been around the region in your position of observer and commenter, did what did you think in the moment when that all occurred? I, I, nothing. I, I didn't. I, I did not see this.
1: Coming and did not and the the morning of or the first I heard of it, I, I didn't say, that. Think to myself, this could get really big. Mm-hmm. No, sorry. no,
0: and as it went on, sure. What did you think of? Well, all as, as out? it went on,
1: I mean, I could see the 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 national publicity. I mean, the thing about you know the twenty four hour news cycle and uh, the television is when something happens, it's everywhere immediately. And so all of a sudden, Fergus went from nothing to huge. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, when you read about, well, you know, Michael Brown's body was left laying out there, you know, you think, well, had I known that, maybe I would have seen it. But but I didn't see it coming until all of a sudden it was all over the news.
0: Yeah. And, and now that it's five years in the past, do you think that St. Louis has... Grown from it, learned from it, or do you think it's 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 in its vacuum and it will remain a, a something that many in the country associate with St. Louis?
1: Yeah, I, I think the latter. I think it's just going to remain something that a lot of people associate with St. Louis. And you know, I I don't think that St. Louis has learned much. I mean, there's a lot of well-meaning people who've tried to have you know this commission or that commission, and they probably have great recommendations. But I think this is just a slower evolution of things. Like mm-hmm. I say, you know, my kids are more open-minded than me. I think the millennials are just going to handle this part of life better than my generation. And, and, and that's, I think, kind of
0: beginning to happen. We were talking before we started about social media. And if anything, one thing that concerns me is almost like the cannibalization of, uh, people who do want to see progress, but sometimes they're not quote unquote woke enough. And then they get taken out by the mobs on social media. You have made a choice. And it doesn't sound like it was a difficult one to not be on Twitter, Facebook. I would imagine Instagram, Snapchat was the furthest thing from your mind. If you weren't going to do Twitter and Facebook, did you, did anybody ever say, Hey Bill, be good for you to get on there. And you go, I think I'll pass. Yeah. There
1: were people who thought it would be a, a good thing. I mean, you know, I feel like, Hey, I've come a long way. I gave up the typewriter, you know, I, I went with these little VCR with the computer right, right. called, called VDTs. They were video display terminals. Uh-huh. So, okay. But the social media, you know, i I never got into that. And the more I could see of it, the more I realized this, you know, anybody over 50 should not do this. <laughs> you know, I saw Larry Connors get in trouble on Facebook. I saw Charlie Jaco get on trouble emailing, and uh, of course Jamie Alvin recently getting in trouble on Twitter. I mean, no good comes out of it. It, it. only bad things can happen. And you know, my thoughts, you know, when initially, are never profound anyway. I mean, like, Tim, you're asking me all these things. Did I see this coming? Nope. Didn't see anything coming. And, and, and so it wouldn't do me good to Twitter. And, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm pleased that I'm not on any social media. Do you think it's a good thing
0: in general? I know you're not on it, and I know you have your a clear right. reason for it. And I think as as you laid out, I remember having Bob Costas on, he goes, what upside is there to me being, and, I, and that's essentially right. what you're saying as yes. well. But in general... I don't know. I don't, I don't, I actually, I don't know if I do think it's a good thing. I don't know. Because here's why I don't think it's a good thing. I mean, it's good to be able to communicate directly with people. And I love to interact with the audience. I'm, I'm honored that people even care what I have to say. As sure. I would imagine, it sounds like you're kind of fascinated that people care what you have to right, say, absolutely. you know? absolutely. So I'm flattered by that. But what I worry about, and I think stltoday.com kind of dealt with it uh, initially. And now I know they try to go with Facebook accounts, but people just make up fa- Facebook accounts to use in the comment section. Are the people who create... Fake accounts to then either pass off information as true. What we saw, I suppose, with the November 16 election with the fake accounts, right. and it leads to r- riling people up, you know, as opposed to an honest back right. and forth. Right. But I don't know what was going on. And well, you get letters to the, to the editor back, in when you were starting out, I guess was that the the way sure, to get sure, feedback. Sure, sure,
1: sure. We got letters to the editor, and, and people wrote uh, letters directly to you, and, and sometimes it was hate mail, but generally. People are more civil if they have to sit down and write a letter. Mm-hmm. And they're more and they're certainly more civil in face to face conversations. Absolutely. There's something about the anonymous yes. th- uh, email or Facebook and the immediacy of it. You know, I mean, you know, everybody, you know, should like tell their kids, don't react to stuff right away. Try to stay calm, you know. Don't and 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 instead you, People are, are chomping at the bit to immediately respond and angrily. And, uh, you know, and we have this whole culture of outrage thing. And, you know, I used to call it compulsive outrage disorder where people want to be angry. Yes. You know, and like, you know, people tell me, yeah, I listen to Rush Limbaugh. And he said, and I go, why would you listen to Rush Limbaugh? And he go, well, I like to hear what the other side said, And I think, why? You know, because you just get get. Angry, and uh, it, it, but, but people people like to be angry, and it, uh, I don't know how you stop that.
0: That's the thing that I wonder about it with, with social media. People are looking to find opinions. And then the thing that surprised me from a journalistic standpoint, now I was in television, which is kind of the, 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 the bastard stepchild of the whole thing, uh, and now in radio and podcasting, but that entities, whether it be television or radio or print or digital as the case might be, will cite... So-and-so, who isn't necessarily a guy who has written for the Post-Dispatch for 40 years, but rather just a guy with a Twitter account is outraged about what so-and-so said. And then they build a story around this, that the outrage becomes the story, which then leads to people talking about the story that otherwise would not have gotten attention. Outraged coverage.
1: Right, right, yeah. And then uh, you you certainly see it now all the time with, uh, you know— people's efforts to make so-and-so the face of the party. in, in, in just in, to get everybody angry, you know, like I say, it's not healthy, but I don't know what
0: in the world you can do about it. I know. It's a, it's a ship that has already sailed. Bill McClellan, our guest this week. He is presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies. He is online at evergreenstl.com. I know a number of our listeners are in their 20s and 30s. And perhaps in a mindset, well, you know what? I'll take care of my financial advisor situation when I have a family. But now is the time to capitalize. And it's not even like, oh, I got to set aside, you know, some large percentage of your income. I just look back on it and think, well, you know what? I'm going to do the math for you as we sit here. because so I met with a guy in 2001, all right? I'm 24 years old. So that's 18 years ago. And let's say just every month, for 10 years, so 24, 22, excuse me, 24, 24 to 34, I just set aside $100. 100 times 12, 1200. Times 10, 12,000. And I'd like to think that that would appreciate, I don't know, is it aggressive to say 6%, gangster Pete? Is that aggressive to say 6%? No, it's not. Well, I would have I would have $13,000 more with that 720 at the with the 6% than I would now. And it was just setting aside $100. It wouldn't have impacted my life. And that's 24 to 34. I'm closer to 44 now. And it's that you yeah. And you know what? By the way, that math isn't accurate because the the money's accumulating. And so the 6% is not based off of 12,000 times 6%. It's growing. So, you know, it's 10,000 times 6%. Then it's 12,000 times 6%. So it's growing, it's growing. And I just, I just missed. And I really, I think if if I were talking to the audience and let's say the audience is made up of 25 year olds, give or take a, a year on either side, that's the thing that I think I would deliver them. I would say, make sure you do what makes you happy don't get pressured into anything. Anybody who pressures you probably isn't somebody you want to listen to anyway, candidly. And I don't care who this is, parents, significant others, peers, whatever. Anybody who's going to like tell you what to do. Now if you ask and they give your opinion, different ballgame. Uh, but there's, there's that. And then also just, and it, it's not like, hey, you got to start saving, you know, 30% of your, your net check. You know, that's probably not realistic. And it's also going to make people go, I'm not going to really be able to enjoy myself, but just set aside something. God, I wish I did that. Oh, I wish I did that. Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies can put you on that path and show you how it'll work for you and lay it out. And it's so easy now. can lay out the whole plan right there on an iPad in front of you. You'll be happy when you check them out at evergreenstl.com, Mark Hanna Evergreen Wealth Strategies. In addition to the great Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency is a wonderful sponsor of the podcast. Uh, And has been from the very beginning. And I am thrilled. I had lunch with James last week and he said, you know what? He gave me a a gift certificate to Olive and Oak as a thank you for all the business from the podcast and from the radio show. And I said, I mean, you're a paying client. There's no need for gift certificates, but it's kind gesture. And he said, I just, he goes, you told me to stick with it. You said it's going to take time. And both of those things were done. And both those things have now led to a bunch of people making the switch to me. And I'm very grateful for that. And that made me so happy. Because, of course, if you're doing what I do for a living, you want advertising to work. And it's great that the advertising works when people get on board with the podcast and they get on board with the radio show. That That's how the stuff exists. But... I know that our audience, when it gets down to it, m- many of whom I've had a chance to meet, and I know are really quality people, um, are now in business with somebody who is going to take good care of them. It, when times are rough, too, you know, you're usually not on the phone with your insurance person when things are going smoothly. And so to know that they are now in business with James Carlton, that makes me very happy. I would really advise making the switch. I felt so strongly about it. I made the switch. 314 961 or go online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton, State Farm. In your years in St. Louis, I'm not looking for bad mouthing. I suppose I'm looking for some good mouthing. Politicians that have stood out to you, who have stood out to you, and you go, I really thought very highly of so and so. People who stand out as, as people now that you look back on it and go, I was very impressed by so and so. And of course, I'm also looking for the other side. Where, yeah, not so much.
1: Right. Well, probably with me, it'd be a a whole lot of not so much. (laughs) I I mean, we got time. But but you know, on the on the other hand, you know, I've liked a lot of the people, even if I thought their politics were you know a a little off. Mm -hmm. uh, You know, I've always found politicians to be fun to be around, and I remember uh, saying something to, to my wife, who's a, a more liberal than I am. Although I consider myself a liberal, off the reservation liberal, sometimes. <laughs> but uh, it, I said something about it. John Ashcroft, and Mary said, "You know, you, you sound like you like him or something." And I said, "Well, I do. You know, I mean, it, I don't know him well, but but whenever I've you know been around him." It, it, but very nice, very nice. And, uh, you know, Jim Talent was another one who I liked a lot personally. And in in fact, enough that I voted for him. And, you know, my wife would say, uh, Bill, he doesn't believe in most of it. She said, one of your problems, one of my many problems, <laughs> it was, she said, y- y- you tend, if you like somebody, you figure that they really think like you do because it's so reasonable. She said, even if they don't think like you do. And I said, well, that's true. You know, I, I always think like, well, oh, he can't really believe that. But for political reasons, he's got to say,
0: I think that stuff too. I think that exact same thought, pro- I have that exact same thought process. Right. Yeah.
1: So, so, I, and, uh, another fellow who, uh, you know, his politics aren't, aren't my own, but I vote for him most all every time is Roy Blunt. You know, just I, I, I bet a lot of
0: people listening is going to be surprised to hear this. Oh,
1: well, well you know, I I, I like him. And I, and I think I've said on Donnybrook sometime, you know, like, uh, to the dismay of some of my colleagues. And like, you know, oh, I voted I voted for They go, Why? Ray
0: Hartman falls out of his chair. Well, well,
1: you know, yeah. Although Ray knows exactly what I'm talking about because he's dealt with a lot of these politicians, even more than me, maybe. You know, because they would come to him for endorsements or... or Maybe maybe that overstates it. I'm not sure they ever went to Ray for endorsement, but he endorsed, he, he, right. he, knew, he knew a lot. Of it. And, and Ray would agree with me that most of them are pretty good people. They wouldn't be in pol- politics. You know, I went to, I took uh, m- my wife to a wedding once. It was a con guy getting married. He'd been in prison for these cons and he got out and he um, married a, a young woman of more substance than he was. but. <laughs> we got invited to the wedding and I said to my, you're going to enjoy it. I think And from an entertainment perspective. Yeah. Yeah. And and we went and after the wedding, she said to me, she said, well, I liked Greg. And I said, well, he's a con man. You know, I mean, no con you, of course you're going to like a con man. (laughs) (laughs) And, and it's sort of the same way with politicians. You know, if you're, if yeah, you, that is true. You, if yeah. you associate with him a little bit, you realize, he's a pretty good guy. And you think, I think I'm going to vote for him. You know, even though I... So, so you know, th- there's that con man aspect of all of these politicians. I, now, some of them, Tim, I think just run into terrible luck. Yeah? You know? Who, Lida, who, who, who can you... I, think? I'm thinking of, of Lida Crewson, the, the current mayor. You know, I, I think when uh, Lida was running she thought that you know she she had uh establishment you know slay and his Mm -hmm. people the old you know the old band was going to get together again and she was a progressive person and she had a you know strong personal story and the millennials i think she felt a connection to the millennials because she has a couple of kids millennial age Mm -hmm. you know and so i think that she saw everything as all was possible and she'd be the first women mayor and and she you know she never even had a honeymoon i mean she was right. you know tashara jones almost beat her stunned her i'm i, I think you know and mike kelly who was running her campaign i d- no one saw it coming it was kind of like wesley bell beating McCoy.
0: Yeah, yeah yeah
1: you know people go wow i didn't see that
0: i remember you talking about that on donnie yeah, yeah yeah
1: and and you know with with lyda cruisen being the only substantial white candidate, and there being, you know, four or five, you know, Antonio French, endorsed by the Post-Dispatch, Lewis Reed, endorsed by Congressman Clay, Tishara endorsed by Dr. Suggs and the American, and Jeffrey Boyd, who, you know, had some following, right? So you, you had, you know, that's what, four strong black candidates, one white candidate, and she seemed so strong i thought oh Lyda will win rather easily <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: and of course she barely won and things have never gotten better you know all of a sudden she inherits the privatization of the airport and and then the whole better together fiasco which i thought was one of the greatest stories since i've been here
0: i was that's one of my big things to discuss with you is better together you were i recall watching you guys on Donnie Brook i was anxious to hear everybody's perspective right. on that and i thought i, I thought but it's at the same time i think for those of us looking at it from you know 30,000 feet we're like oh this is great this is progress for st louis it's an aggressive move and then as you got into it, you go, Oh God, you know, and then you see all these things. And I remember Alvin Reed saying, well, somebody who worked, you know, in Kirkwood schools, this is something, here's my issue with it. And right. and then everybody's kind of like, Oh wow, this isn't what I thought it was going to be. Your reaction when it first came out. It was, was Well, well
1: I, I read just enough to realize that this is a great Fun story. I mean, here... Your
0: the, use of the word fun is what I would usually go, oh, my God, this is well, another well, well, debacle. Well, you call it well, fun, well, I well, like it.
1: For anybody who follows the news for the entertainment value as much
0: as, you know, the <laughs> Plenty of citizenship
1: fun. thing, the idea that uh, Lida Cruz and Steve Stanger were about to tell their constituents... You know, we're going to let this decision be made by the, the, that great wisdom we can find in rural Missouri. You know, it, it was just so insulting. I mean, I can't imagine a politician saying that, you know, that, you know, people going, I mean, you're going to let outsiders decide this instead of your <laughs> constituents? Yes, yes, we are. You know, I, I, I thought, how can they do this? And, and lighter going along with also the idea of Stenger. Being this the king of the feet. Yeah. Super mayor yeah. for two years, right? You know, just long enough to get contracts to all his friends. Cause by then it was, it was everything was clear about what was going on with Stinger and the better together people like totally missing everything. I'm mean, like in a complete fog coming up with, and our super mayor will be Steve and he got, well, you do know he's under investigation. I mean, do you, do you not know anything? And, so it was great fun to see them uh, doing that and uh, i talked to a couple of them uh early on and i said you know how are you going to sell this to outstate and they said well you know we're going to compare st louis to detroit you know that the people of michigan had to bail out detroit how do would you i said well gee that sounds kind of racist really i mean even to the ears of a 20th century man, that sounds a little. And I I wrote a column about how, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that was their plan. And one of their leaders, and I, I forget his name, I can say names I'm not doing so well, I, but one of the leaders of Better Together who said, you know, it's insulting that someone would even say we were thinking about that, but I was saved because the Day after, and the, the news story came out. John Hancock was out there in St. Charles, telling them that what happened in Detroit shouldn't have. And I'm not blaming, blaming John, who I like. But you know, I mean, that's John's role. He's a Republican consultant, and and this is the pitch that to better together. But it was right after they they claim they were insulted that I'd even suggest this. They're out doing it. I, you know, it's just, it's just you can't wish for more than this. You saw
0: that one coming.
1: Well, well, you that, that one, that shirt. one was pretty easy. When, <laughs> as soon as you read the part that says, you know, there'll be a statewide initiative. <laughs> a statewide initiative you know so that that was I, and I it wasn't that.
0: coincidentally going to be voted on at least the plan november 2020 that right. was not a coincidence either. right right, right. Yeah.
1: yeah so 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 that that was just such a fun story and uh when <laughs> chesterfield announced with you know semi-seriousness that they were considering i had sec- the mayor come in here he was seceding. going nuts. Yeah. right they, uh, success you know they used yeah. to call those people in the in the old days, eighteen sixty-ish, you know, they'd be, I'm a secesh. Uh, and I thought there's seceshes out there. Wendy Weese is out there in secesh country. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean so so I, I liked everything about the Better Together thing, and I'm I'm glad it didn't go through. Right, but I, I, you know, I could never be outraged about it because it was just so so funny. So. I like that.
0: Do you think that a St. Louis City County merger is a good thing?
1: Oh, in, in, in a way, yes, and in a way, no. You know, I the the, the no part would probably be, I, I think that governments are better when you have two-party governments, you know, not just white Democrats and black Democrats, mm-hmm. but two parties. And right now, the county is starting to become bluer than ever before you know more democrat than ever before and if you took the city and threw that into the county now i'm not sure a republican could win anything other than a council seat
0: mm-hmm. okay and then what if from a positive standpoint would you see if it because people come in here and talk about streamlining costs and all of the duplication and expenditures with the variety of municipalities when you see that and cost effectiveness well, do you think that that's a positive or do you think there's too much downside to do
1: it oh i i I I don't know. I I think there probably is some positive for financial, uh, savings, but you know, I don't know enough to know how much. Mm -hmm. And, and I've always liked that the the smaller governments, we actually know your alderman. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I live in Clayton, you know, half of my block is the 28th ward in the city and half is Clayton. And you know, I can name my alderman, but you know, I'm not sure all the time who my county council member is. Mm-hmm. I only know who it is right now because uh, it was uh, Pat Dolan who lost uh, a young woman. Mm-hmm. And, and and I saw her. I only know about her because my daughter said, Dad, would you put, uh, and I forget her name, her yard, si- her yard sign in your yard? And I said,
0: i will be happy to help out my my daughter. You mentioned the privatization of the airport that Lyda Cruz and inherited. What is your perspective on that topic? Well,
1: I'm not a financial uh, guru at all, but it, it seems rigged. I mean, the, you know, that the consultants are only going to be paid if, if they come up or maybe it's, the organization that's paying the consultants will only be paid if the consultants uh, decide that we ought to privatize. Mm-hmm. There's something goofy in there that when you read it and you think, well, that can't be right. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and these mistakes are never made inadvertently. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, there's always, if you're reading, go, oh, they can't mean that. They do mean that. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and and there's always a reason they mean that. Hey, and uh, I think it was Lisa Slay was the woman who beat Dolan and my daughter put the yard sign in her yard. I just,
0: I, I was going to guess a name, oh, but I oh, didn't okay. want to be wrong. And, and just to clarify,
1: my daughter put the your daughter Let
0: me see if I'm I'm right. right. Is that was Lisa? Sloan? I think I'm. You know, I don't want to miss. I thought Lisa minor, Clancy. was Lisa Clancy. There you go. But you. I was I was in the back of my mind because I because the Tower T thing was a big deal to a lot of our audience. Okay, and right. Dolan was, and that was a whole thing. Right. Uh, the tower T thing it's was a weird. big deal. You yeah. know, I,
1: you know, now, you know, I, I, because I didn't grow up here, I never like hit baseballs out of tower T. If I did, it was once or twice. Uh-huh. And uh, you know, I've treated golf like social media, you know, I don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> so, 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 so I, I didn't don't see you out
0: at St. Louis <laughs> country. Club. Yeah, so so, so,
1: so I, I didn't miss it in that way, but in just the sentimental way, I mean, I knew how much Tower T meant to people in the same way Famous Bar did. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, like when I came here, everybody had a Famous Bar store.
0: Absolutely. Or
1: their uncle worked, or their dad worked, or yeah. some—and and Tower T had that kind of iconic St. Louis thing. So I, I was uh, rooting against the
0: developers. And, uh, and look at what's happened. It's going to—it's going to, I gather— uh, live on come yeah, back yeah, uh, Lazarus. Okay. It's going to rise. <laughs> yes, yeah. rise uh, uh, apparently I, you know, <laughs> who knows how these things work. Yeah. So you mentioned earlier in your, your well, well-documented Cubs fan. Yeah. Um, riding in St. Louis a column that oftentimes of course, will have politics in St. Louis as a Cubs fan. It's one thing to go against the grain in St. Louis. It's another thing to want to go against the grain as a Cubs fan. Did people really, really get lit up by that? Or was it oftentimes just friendly banter about the fact well, that Well it Well, it,
1: it, it depends. Depends on uh, if the Cubs are good. You, you know, if, if the Cubs aren't doing well and the Cardinals are, then people look upon Cub fans like, you know, a drunk uncle, <laughs> you know, at the family picnic, you know. You don't want your children to grow up like that, but he's harmless. You know, he's, he's okay. It's funny. But when the Cubs are good, suddenly people get really offended. But you know, I grew up as a Cub fan on the south side of Chicago.
0: Oh, so you were contrarian way back when, right?
1: And and my people came from Ulster, you know, Belfast, and we were Protestants over there. So we've all—it seems like there's—we've always not gotten in, not got, not gotten along.
0: (laughs) So as you're growing up, I mean, you know, you have—I mean, you probably are going to cite what '69, correct? Was '69 the Cubs debacle?
1: Yes, but I was in the service then. I missed that. So one.
0: you missed it. Oh, that's good. Ignorance right. is bliss. Yes. But eighty-four, Leon Durham. Sure. Eighty-nine, Will Clark. Uh, I recall that one as a as a youngster. And had some good teams. I mean, they had some good people kind of forget about it, but they'll they'll remember Bartman in 03. As you're watching things like this, I'm curious what it's like. Because I never really have gotten it from a Cubs fan perspective. From a Cardinal fan perspective, it's like I kinda I I don't mind. The cu- I like. I mean, Wrigley feels right. wonderful. It's a great atmosphere. It's a hell of a lot different than Bush Stadium. It's a social event. It's fun. So I would watch these things, and I go. I can I felt like there was somewhat of a parallel with the Blues, uh, like these tragic moments. But everybody nationally knew about the Cubs hockey being more niche. So in 03, for example, Bartman.
1: Well, what were well, you know, Oh, I, I, I was beside myself in okay. the basement when I watched. Like, I as it, like, oh, as it oh, happened, you oh, knew it oh, was going Yeah, you know, even though that was a foul ball, it was just another strike. Uh, the Cubs were up by three runs. Cub fans can sense when we hit the iceberg. <laughs> when it's coming. You know, and we'd hit the iceberg. And, and, uh, Moises Lou, I think yes, was, it was. he was jumping yes. up and down, and Dusty Baker in the dark You know, all, everybody in the Cub world knew what happened. We've hit the iceberg. It doesn't seem bad. You know, it's just another foul ball, but no, this is it. So, so I was beside myself. But on the other hand, when I grew up, the Cubs were terrible, eighth in an 18 yeah, league. Yeah. You know, like I would daydream about fifth place, <laughs> and and those teams were you know were really good. I thought. And, and then uh, when they evolved into the 69 Cubs, which were like the 27 Yankees, I mean, you know, Billy Williams, Ernie Banks, Ron uh, Santo, uh, Fergie Jenkins, all Hall of Famers, and, uh, and a great crew, you know, Kessinger and Beckert and Randy Hunley. They, I mean, they, this was a good team. And even before that, like every year I would think, that's a good team. And, of course, it was always the same team as the last year, you know, <laughs> yeah. because that was the <laughs> way baseball used to thing. do. But I well. think, you know, well, they were actually good last year, seventh <laughs> place or not. Just, and, you know, so, so they were always bad. When the, when the league expanded to ten teams, the Cubs came in ninth. <laughs> and so, so it was sort of a victory, you know, hey. But on the other <laughs> hand, it was... And that's when they hired Leo DeRocher. And he came in and said, I guarantee you this isn't a ninth place team. And that year they finished 10th. And, and, uh, and all the writers made fun, you know, <laughs> you know, well, at least DeRocher knows what he's talking about. But, so I was used to those Cubs. And so all these new Cub teams you're talking about, they're already, you know, pretty impressive to
0: me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the idea of a team that's in first place with a manager who's under fire has to seem completely for. I mean, that sure, Well, and, and, and
1: I look at the Cardinals, and you know
0: they're right there. They're a game and a half out of first right now,
1: and if, if I sometimes read the comment lines on their stories just for the, the enjoyment of it, you know these people who are so. I mean, the Cardinals are game out, <laughs> and these people are beside themselves. You think it was the worst team ever? That's. What, and 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 there's calls for like as long as you go to the games. You know, it won't get better. And I think, well, what kind of fan doesn't want to go to the games? (laughs) I mean, I want to go to the games when the Cubs are an eighth-place team. So, uh, you know, it's all
0: strange. Your uh, late colleague Joe Strauss um, talked about the idea that whenever they start to not have this consistent run of postseason appearances, it's going to be a hell of a story, In your word probably would be, fun right. to see what right. the fan base is going to be like because since 2000 it's almost been like a birthright as a cardinal fan well it has been even yeah. in down years they're in the mix in september right every year since yeah. 2000 yeah and that's what you're seeing now bill you're seeing people go well it's not good enough they're not spending money and you go well my god you're complaining about all these contracts so therefore they had to have spent money to get the bad contracts right
1: <laughs> right i i i don't know there's you know there's so much about that baseball that i don't understand why free agents are busts? I don't get because you know I can say okay the draft choice and you know, this is some kid in high school hitting with a metal bat you know it doesn't translate. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, I understand that, but the free agents like if if you get somebody, he's already performed at that level, and I think there's not going to be many busts at that. But.
0: There always are. That's crazy. Oh yeah, and they usually get the most money. That's that's the nature of. And, the and piece. yeah,
1: and the pitchers. I mean, you th- sign a pitcher who's winning for another team. You think, well, they'll have to do as well for us, and it, they'll they'll go to the new team. and They'll be a bum.
0: Absolutely, it, it, it's odd to me. I don't rarely to do those long term things. We're looking at Chris Sale right now at the Red Sox. So in '16, I remember I couldn't wait to read your column when it all finally happened. Take me back to the night in Cleveland of Game Seven.
1: Oh. Oh, well, you know, my, we were were watching it, you know, in my basement. My daughter, my daughter's a big Cub fan. You know, my son never, you know, he's a a Cardinal fan. You know, you just can't raise a little boy in St. Louis. You know, my wife thought it was great that he was standing up to me. You know, I I said, hey, Cardinals today, drugs tomorrow, honey. But but that didn't turn out. My son's a great guy. But uh, so my daughter and I were there and... Uh, things looked really good, and she had a friend over, and the friend spilled some red wine on our carpet. It, it, it's in the basement; it's not like a fancy basement, but we have it's carpeted, you know, beige carpeting. And her, her friend spilled some red wine on it and felt bad. And I said, "I'll get that off with white wine. Put some white wine <laughs> on it. Said, if that doesn't work, we'll get the kilo. Don't worry about <laughs> it. This will be a memory of when the Cubs won, and it looked like they would, and then." Things fell apart near the end. Mm -hmm. And then there was the rain delay. And you talk about, you know, not seeing things coming. When the rain delay came in, the seventh game of the World Series, I told my daughter, I said, you might as well go home. They're not going to, you know, delay this for an hour and then start again. They're going to want to have game, you know, the end of game seven Mm -hmm. on prime time tomorrow night. It will be a must-see. So, you know, you go home. You know, dad understands the world. <laughs> and an hour later, they announced, we're playing again. You know, it was it was crazy. Did you have
0: a sense of doom for that hour? Do you recall?
1: You know, I, I, I don't recall. I think I
0: was just numb.
1: You know, it seemed kind of otherworldly. Like the Cubs in the seventh game of World Series, it does, it's like... Dan Quayle's friends felt when he got <laughs> nominated for vice president. You know, I mean, it's, I'm serious. I mean, I, I talked to one who said, you know, like he went into, you know, closed the blinds and thought, Dan Quayle, you know, vice president. Yeah. And, and that's sort of the way it was, you know, Cubs, seventh game of the world. It didn't seem right. Uh-huh. So, so nothing seemed right. And then they came back and they won.
0: Wow. So what was what was that moment like when Brian throws over to first oh. to wrap it up? What are you doing? I mean, are you are tears?
1: Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm sure. Yeah, yeah I, I I find myself crying sometimes, Tim. You know, I <laughs> I, I, I wish I had, didn't, but I, I do. Yes, so sure. I'm. I'm certain. I was crying. Yeah, I mean, after all of that. I well, I mean, that's how I,
0: I. really do feel a parallel. that maybe you would push back with the blues and, and the Cubs. No, I, do you I, do you I, see it?
1: I. I wouldn't push back. Okay. You know, and, and we're blues fans. Sure. You know, like uh, when I left Chicago, I gave up the Blackhawks, the Bears, the Bulls. you know, I didn't care for any of them anymore. But the Cubs, you know, there's a relationship you have with mm-hmm. the team you followed as a little kid, listened to on a transistor so we're we're fans of the blues so we were we were thrilled you know I almost thought about getting tickets it's like for the uh, World Series, my wife you know lesser said to me you know, if you want to spend money and go to a game in Chicago, you you know i'm I i will not complain and I said, oh honey, I'd rather get a condo in San Diego for the week <laughs> you know than, than do this and you know and and in fact, I remember somebody telling me that A Cub fan spent for the seventh game, front row seats behind the Cub dugout, something like $20,000. And I said to a friend who's, uh, another friend of mine, Danny Ranieri, a local lawyer who's a Cub fan, I said, said, gee, even for a Cub fan, Dan, even if I had the money, that's too expensive. And Dan said, well, amortize it over 108 years. (laughs) You know, everything makes sense if you, how you, so... Uh, yeah we were thrilled to see the
0: blues win That's the reason I think of that is because when when they were seeing the Blues in the Stanley Cup final against the Boston Bruins I thought to myself it doesn't sound right like what you're saying about the Cubs in Game right. seven of the World Series it doesn't right. sound right so you right. almost feel like you're already you already accomplished something even just by being there
1: Oh yeah and especially that
0: it's Boston I mean it's right. means-
1: like, you really don't want to be playing. Uh,
0: well, they almost would have been playing, I think, the Carolina Hurricanes. That's yeah, who Boston was playing. Right. I mean, that would have cheapened it. Carolina
1: Hurricanes. Right. But the
0: Boston Bruins, that's real hockey. Yeah.
1: So, so yeah, it, it was uh, very cool. You know, <laughs> I mentioned Ray Hartman a while yeah. ago. You know,
0: Ray used season to tickle, Right.
1: season tickets right on the front. Yeah, I remember I seeing g- him.
0: Gave him up, though. Oh, he gave him up, like? He had to do it recently because I remember seeing him. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. It was either for this year or for the year before. Oh, no.
0: <laughs> right, right. So there you go. <laughs> all right, let's wrap this thing up. I've already kept you long enough. And I, I know you, I might be forcing you to, to trigger the memory, but I'm, I'm really curious. Of all of the stories you've covered and written about in your time in St. Louis, is there one that, that stands out to you as, this was, this, was, this was the one. This was fun, as you like to say or an honor or unfortunate that I had to write about it, something that you go, yeah, that was, that was it. I mean, there's so many and it might not be. Yeah. And
1: and, and there's some of each, I mean, there would be some that, you know, I thought, Oh, that's awful stuff. And and there, there's some that were fun Yeah. and yeah, uh, Tim, uh, I'm, I'm afraid I can't search my mind and you know, you know, I put together a couple books of columns, and you know, the paper did. Mm-hmm. And when I had to select those columns, you know, they said, Hey, you know, pick what you know, whatever you want. And I've been writing four columns a week for years. So I said, okay. And it all depended on my mood. Like sometimes I'd start yeah. through old columns and I go, this is pretty good. And I, and I Hey, that's a pretty good column, You know, hey, that's a nice story. You know? And I, I'd, I'd like all of them. And in another mood, I'd how could I even show my face? You know, how could I, walk around town having written this. And then, then another. then I go, geez, that could have been done better. And I wouldn't like any of them. So, Uh so it's, it's really hard for me to say this was my best
0: column. Well, I'll tell you what, I mean, I've enjoyed, even though it's obviously difficult topic is the way you've written about your health scare.
1: Oh, well, well, thanks. You know When, when I was,
0: it's beautiful. I mean, it's, 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 it's beautiful, which is an odd adjective to use considering the topic, but it's, it's beautiful
1: well well, thank you you know when, when I was first diagnosed with, with the first cancer which was cholangiocarcinoma, which is bile duct cancer mm-hmm. and uh, inoperable uh, you know I I wrote about that because I thought well you know I I'm not making a secret of it my friends know and rather than have it kinda seep yeah. out a little yeah. bit here and 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 you know and maybe uh, m- not quite right, or, you know, the different yeah, yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. I thought the easiest thing is just to write about because I was starting to go to Sightman Cancer Center, people would recognize me, go, you're here for a story? And I go, no, actually, I've been diagnosed, blah, blah, blah. So I thought the easy way to do it is to write about it. So then I wrote about it once, and I thought, well, I don't want to make this a journal of my health, but I'll, I'll write about it again, just update things. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and uh, especially for me, you know, I'm such a gabby, chatty person. I mean, the truth is, when I was diagnosed uh, and I went to schnooks, you know, I felt like telling a checkout woman, you know, you won't believe what happened to me today, (laughs) but you know, I I didn't, but I mean, so it it wasn't like hard for me. I mean, I've been a columnist for so many years. I don't have much of a sense of privacy.
0: Yeah, that's kind of the, the way that comes with it, I suppose. But I think it's, I think the way I would imagine there were a number of people who reached out with some equally beautiful, perhaps sentiment, that could relate to what you were experiencing and also well wishes, you know, maybe people who normally go, God, I hate what you've written, but, right. 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 Yeah.
1: Yeah. That's true. I, all the messages that I received were positive ones. I I can't think of a negative. Oh my God. Everybody, everybody everybody was very nice. You know, my, uh, constant critics decided to just, you know, not take it too seriously and not, uh, just be quiet Mm -hmm. and you know, good for them. So, so, yeah, and, and, and I have met a number of people through uh, having cancer. I mean, that's for sure.
0: Yeah. Wh- how, how are you doing, feeling as we sit here right now? Well, I'm
1: feeling terrific. You look
0: great. And I'm no, going to say I mean, you really th- do look you. great.
1: Although, you know, I mean, the cancer uh, is back. So I'm getting some, uh, you know, not the cholangial carcinoma, but the colon cancer that I later got is back. So I'm taking chemotherapy for that, but I haven't had it in a few days. So, you know, I feel strong and fine. You know, I, I've i often felt almost fraudulent because I, I generally feel good. And when I've been in the hospital, I feel like, you know, the healthiest person in the oncology ward. And then uh, I had a stroke and I felt like the healthiest person in the neurology <laughs> ward. You know, I, I mean, it's, it's crazy. And, you know, I'm very lucky
0: that, that I haven't
1: felt worse.
0: Yeah. Well, you really do look good. I love Thanks. And I'll see yes, I'm seeing you right now, of course, but I'll watch you on Donnybrook. Do you love doing Donnybrook? I I love watching. I feel like everybody kind of has a role and you're kind of like the, oh, you'll come that, in over the top is like the voice of reason. Well, yeah, I, don't like, know, I, think, I don't know. I don't <laughs> know about that, but, but
1: Donnybrook is a blast and always has been. And you know, Mar- you know, Charlie calls Ray and I the founders, but actually it was, you know, Martin
0: Dugan, Martin Dugan.
1: Mark Vitter and Rich Coster who came up with the idea and then they wanted to add two, So they called Ray and I. And, and, uh, so we've been there since the beginning, but it's been fun from the get go. And, you know, especially when I realized, you know, that you don't need to know anything. <laughs> you know, I mean, when we, seriously, when we started doing it, Tim, like I thought, you know, I wish I knew what we we're going to talk about. And Martin and Vitter and Coster would sometimes have breakfast and I was always too busy, but I thought, I wish I had like a heads up. But, and, and if I did get a heads up, I would then look into it, you know, briefly where, you know, soon I came to realize that, you know, if you don't know anything, you don't have to say it, <laughs> you know, so, so I can sit there and just listen and, or comment on something that somebody else says, but you know, it makes it even more fun to get up there and, you know, Talk about something you know nothing about, (laughs) but but so it's 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 a blast. I I love that.
0: I really do love that show. I I don't know why. I I realize it probably skews a little older as far as a demographic goes. So my wife will come in and she'll see like I've DVR'd it and I can't wait to watch it. She goes, what in the? I go, I love it. I can't help it. I'm sorry. I'll see Alvin. I say, oh, she goes. He goes, oh, you got to come on. I go, oh no, I don't. I don't think you guys want me to soil the sept. You know, bring my septic tank to your show. But I love that show. I think it's great that there is a show like that in St. Louis.
1: Like like I say, it's been uh, f- fun from the beginning. And we'll sometimes have like a wise and wine and cheese reception, you know, for people who give it the, you know, $80, I don't overhead, know, right, something. Right. And I, when we first started doing it, I said to Martin, I said, you know, Martin, people would pay for this as therapy. You <laughs> do get that, right? I mean, first we get to go on TV, talk about things we may not know anything about. <laughs> then we get free wine and strangers come up and tell us how much they like us. I said, you know, you could charge $1,500 for somebody who's having self-esteem problems. And I said, this is, you know, what you've got us into is just awfully nice. You know, thank you, thank you. Oh, and great. Martin appreciated it,
0: too. Oh, I love it. I really do. Well, I am, I'm honored that you have come in and, and, oh. and told your stories. And uh, and I've gotten a chance to talk about it all with you. And uh, really, I think a lot of people um, have enjoyed reading so much of what it would Like I said, it's just like, this is what I think you might not like it, but this is what I think. And I feel like that's, if anything, you can lose your career right now for doing it. So I think it's, it's refreshing.
1: Well, I mean, you know, I came in at a perfect time. I mean, it's, you know,
0: well,
1: the paper has been very, very good to me and I'm not worried about them firing me, but if they were to say to me, you no, know, we're taking away your weekly column tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> you know, I mean, it, you know, it, it's, Again, it's like therapy, being able to write things, and it allows me to have the very thin veneer of being a reporter. Like, I can still go to trials, and I can still call people and say, what are you doing? You, you know, and th- they don't have to say, why would I tell you? You know, because I have that Little very bit. thin veneer <laughs> yeah, of reporting. That's like a best-case scenario. Right, right. So, so I'm uh, fortunate with that.
0: Bill, thank you so much. You bet, Tim. All right. My pleasure. So there it is, Bill McClellan of the Post-Dispatch, presented by Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies here on the Tim McKernan Show. Thank you. Thank you to Bill for coming into the HomeLoanExpert.com studios and sharing his story, sharing his perspective. Uh, I think I would imagine you got the same sense, just like even if like you disagree with his viewpoints, you're like, it's it's a good guy coming from a good place. and um, And I liked the way... Things that many would go, oh, that was brutal, or man, that had to be miserable, and he'd go, oh, what a fun story! And then he explained why he used the term "fun." And when you take a step back, huh? Ah, I see where he's coming from. Um, I don't know. I bet that that's one that um that I when people ask me about favorite interviews, that one will stand out because um, sometimes we have these spots, you know, like when, for example, like a young page views, um. You know, guys I know and, you know, I don't know, I don't want to overstate me and Young Pageviews hanging out away from, because I just got to know him here over the last year, but he's somebody I hang out with and have hung out with away from the studio, Cam, um, you know, and, and guys like Kachuk, Edmonds hasn't been on it, but I'm, I guess he's been on it, maybe he hasn't been on, hasn't been on it, uh, but people I know, and it's just like, all right, we're going to talk about whatever, and it's going to fucking well, learn, I've gotten to know, learn, and we're going to sit here and just bullshit. But I also, I have a bit of anxiety when it's people I don't know. And um, and yet I know the audience knows who's they, who they are. Um, and now I know, of course, who Bill McClellan is, but I don't know him. And then if he doesn't know me, and then there's a feeling out process, and it's, you know, I don't know how it's going to go. And he just ran right away. He's, even though he was the guest and I was the host, he was welcoming. And I, I remember at one point, I was just like listening to him talk and like moved away from the microphone i like leaned in i'm like oh yeah i'm hosting this so i'm gonna have to be ready to talk when he stops talking but i just was like kind of caught up in the stories he was telling and the perspective he was giving so um that one stands out to me and i hope you enjoyed it as much as i enjoyed uh having the conversation with him it's all presented by the home mark Hanna, evergreen wealth strategies james carlton the carlton state farm insurance agency uh, Johnny Landoff, Chevrolet at Highway 270 in the Washington Elizabeth exit online at landoff.com. Chevy, find new roads, and Design Air, heating and cooling online at designairservice.com, the number one train dealer in the Midwest. It is hard to stop a train, designairservice.com. Uh, thank you to Gangster Pete. Thank you to Iggy for producing. Thank you to you for listening. And thank you to Bill McClellan for joining the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network.